1: Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Crowder trying to get him out of space, oh, oh, slips oh. a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and <laughs> the q Oh, my gosh. Thank you.
0: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason, you can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1, and it is time for the Zach Wilson weekly report card with our friend who is the quarterback whisperer of Colorado, the king of kings, the teacher of teachers, and a man who's very, very happy right now because his Denver Broncos are 3-0 unfortunately. That third win comes at the expense of Zach Wilson And the New York Jets Tim Jenkins, thank you for coming on, sir As always, really appreciate it Looking forward to breaking this down with you, my man
1: No, I'm pumped up, man I look forward to it every week, so this is exciting It's, uh, yeah, obviously a bummer We've had a a great start in the preseason doing these And then, uh, the regular season hit And it's been a little, uh, not as exciting But I still think there's some really good stuff To take away from, from Zach's performance
0: And we're going to get into that in a little bit, but first, let's start with the game that we like to play called Tim, the Claims Adjuster. So if you're unfamiliar with this game, if you've ever gotten into a car accident or been a party in a car accident, the insurance company will investigate and then they will determine how much of the accident is your fault and how much they are going to cover as a result. So let's say you get in a car accident. The insurance company says it was 15% your fault. That means they will cover 15% of the damage. And so that is what we do with the interceptions with Zach Wilson when he throws them. Tim assesses how much fault lies with Zach Wilson and how much fault lies elsewhere. So let's first talk about the interception that was intended for Braxton Berrios. I personally thought this interception was about 95% at least on Braxton Berrios because the ball more or less went straight through his hands. Did you see it that way? Yeah,
1: I think anytime you see something that goes through someone's hands, right, it's uh, it's definitely uh, more on them than the quarterback. I think the the thing about that one is, like, these are always so hard, right? Because the the ideal world is we would know what the install is, right? We'd know, hey, this is what they're this is what they're trying to do on this certain play. But yeah, anytime it goes through a receiver's hands, uh, I think ninety five percent is still light, maybe a hundred percent, right? <laughs>
0: Let's go to the second interception. This one, I'm not going to be as gracious about. I think this was largely Wilson's fault. I'm not entirely sure what he was looking at here.
1: Yeah, the one where Justin Simmons jumps in front of it, that's the one that, to me, is kind of the bigger issue. The reason I say that is because if you look at it, they have a really good cover two beater to the backside, and the Broncos run a ton of cover six, which just for those, you know, for your listeners who aren't familiar with it, cover six is just, hey – they have cover two to one side and they have cover four to the other side. So they have a really good cover two beater backside where they're running co- the cover two portion of cover six. So really you would have loved to see his eyes instead of being on the, instead of being on the front side where Justin Simmons ends up jumping it and, and making an interception, you'd have loved to see his eyes on the backside where it is the cover two beater because honestly, I mean, it's a, pretty darn good look and you could the tight ends getting behind on kind of a corner route so i think really to me i'd say that's got to be 100 percent wilson and i say that because there's really nothing that the you know the front side receiver could have done to bail him out and it's just i quite honestly i think the broncos kind of fooled him there um to where i really just think it's one of those things that you know that the quarterback's got to get to the right part of the field and unfortunately where he went just wasn't it
0: Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Tim, we were talking before we started recording, and I said to you that upon rewatching the game, I thought Zach Wilson was much better than most people seem to think. Now, I'm not sitting here telling you that it was a Hall of Fame caliber performance. However, I thought that there were numerous plays where his receivers just straight up let him down. Corey Davis twice. One of which I thought was a beautiful throw by Wilson He escaped on a long third down Got away from a sack Ran to his left through a bullet downfield Inside the 10 and Corey Davis just straight up Couldn't come up with it Even though the ball was right in his chest The one to Michael Carter that would have been an easy first down That was another problem Ty Johnson, similar story And then you have the Brexton Berrios interception Where the ball went right through his hands So if you give him what should have been those five easy completions, all of a sudden his completion percentage is right up to around 70%. Again, I'm not saying he was a stud in this game, but I thought he played a lot better than most people believe he did. And you think so too after watching the All-22. Explain why.
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, and the thing that's hard is, you, can, you expect some drops, right? There's going to, hey, every single team has drops. I think the thing that makes it hard is that the drops were in just such critical situations, right? The one of the running back to me is kind of the biggest one that stood out because, you know, if he catches that ball, he probably takes it quite a ways and then the Corey Davis one doesn't happen, right, because it's on the mm-hmm. same drive. So to me it's like, man, I just think the drops were in such critical situations that it really hurt. The team as a whole because they were moving that there was a couple of drives where they really moved the football well they just didn't finish so to me that was you know where those drops really just factored in because it was on drives that were really good and then obviously you know they throw the screen but then the running back you know uh, uh, the screen's blown up right let's be honest and then the running back tries to cut it across well then they lose a bunch of yardage that, you know, to me, there's just so many things that happened that were kind of compounding mistakes that killed some really good drives. There's obviously some stuff with Zach that, you know, it, like you're saying, right, it wasn't a perfect game, especially if you go to that one of that, you know, I think it was the first drive, the third down, where he tries to throw the speed out to the boundary and just dirts it. Like, that's wide open. We need to hit that. So there's certain things that, uh, that you know, Zach obviously really struggled with. But I do think, you know, by and large, that there were just some, some errors. And I, and I also think, like, listen, they ran a play where it was bunch right, and every single one of the receivers in the bunch ran shallow. Now, obviously, that's a busted route concept, right? You don't draw that up. Um, but, again, that would just add to what you're talking about, where, you know, as much as we want to blame Zach, it does feel like there's some, you know, there were some surrounding situations that, that didn't
0: help. Tim, can you expand upon what you thought he struggled with in this game?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, so I know he kind of came out and said, like you, or you had told me he came out and said, hey, he wasn't really confused by, by anything. And um, as much as I want to believe that, his eyes were in the wrong spot on a few of the plays. And I think that's something that he's going to need to improve. And I think it's because of... It's because of what the Broncos look like pre-snap. Like, the Broncos pre-snap really look – the they. it looks identical if they're in quarters or six or one robber. So, to me, it's like – it's not just Zach Wilson. A lot of guys are going to get fooled against this defense. So, to me, I think his eyes were in the wrong spot. I think, listen, he missed the speed out to the boundary. I thought there were some plays that if he would have had his eyes in the right spot, he probably – gets more of a chunk play than maybe checking it down to his tight end or to the shallow. So those are areas to improve. But I do think, um, I think by and large, it was a positive outing, but in terms of, Hey, let's really zero in on where he, where he struggled. And I just think it was the eye placement led to, to a bunch of, you know, let's say plays and yards really being left out there
0: how much do you think the offensive line factored into this? Because obviously when you're getting chased around like that all day and getting smashed and now he's actually been sacked the most of any quarterback in the NFL so far this season, is there a shell shock aspect to this? Do you think? Yeah. I, you know, I, I know they
1: didn't play well. I know the offensive line didn't play well. I honestly don't think it was as bad as the Patriots game. If I'm being frank, right. Mm -hmm. I think they, you know, maybe did a little bit better than the Patriots game. Now, You know, is that the same thing as me being smart in the math class? Well, turns out I was in the math class that's nine grades behind, right? So I don't know if it's um if it's a (laughs) you know good sign in terms of hey they're doing better than the Patriots. I don't know the Patriots game. I don't know if that's that big of a step up, but I do think obviously anytime people are getting turned free on you, anytime you're getting sustained pass rush, I mean, obviously it's going to. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna wear on you, and it's gonna factor into your decision making. Now, do we need to see Justin, or or do we need to see Zach continue on his development, regardless of it? Yeah, we do. But again, that's so much easier for me and you to say, right, than to actually do when the O line is, you know, giving up interior pressure and exterior pressure. So I do think I I do think they that had to factor in um, over these last two weeks.
0: Tim, you mentioned Vic Fangio and the defense earlier, and we discussed the quote that Wilson had saying that he didn't feel like he was confused by anything. There wasn't anything that he hadn't seen before. But I was curious, as somebody who's a Broncos fan and watches all of their games, what did you think of the strategy here devised by Fangio on defense? Obviously, it sounds like a silly question on the surface because the Broncos won 26 to nothing. So how critical could you be? But did you like the game plan he had? You know, I thought it was an interesting game plan because
1: they didn't really pressure that much. And you saw it against Trevor Lawrence as well. And there, you know, Vic came out and said last week, he said, listen, I, I don't like to pressure rookie quarterbacks because sometimes it makes it easier on them, right? Like, hey, if, if it's blitz, all of a sudden we throw hot and it's a little bit easier, Whereas if you sit back and play coverage, you know, there's a, Hey, we want to fool him. Right. So I think there's something to be said about that in terms and in terms of the game plan, like, I don't think, you know, frankly, Denver is pretty consistent in terms of what they're going to play against you. They don't vary it a ton week to week. Like they're not going to come out all of a sudden and be in a cover three team next week. Right. If they're, they're kind of who they are, but I do think, you know, in terms of what they did against Zach specifically by not really pressuring him as much as, as they showed maybe in week one against Daniel Jones. I, I think it was a great game plan because then you sit there and you say, hey, we're going to make make you beat us from, you know, the pocket and, and with everything that you've got to read through and, and decipher pre snap." So I think they did a good job. I think, you know, Zach's comments probably come more from a place as a competitor where it's like, listen, you know, if we execute our stuff, this is a non-issue. And and it's probably true, right? As If you do your job, it, it usually is a non-issue. With that being said, you know, you got to imagine when everything looks the same pre-snap, that's going to, you know, that's going to create some problems for you as a quarterback.
0: Tim, we just talked about Denver's strategy. Now let's talk about the Jets' strategy on offense. Mike LaFleur has come under a lot of fire among Jets fans, members of the media, some people have suggested that maybe he's in over his head. In fact, Bart Scott, Leger Duzabal, and Willie Colon suggested on SNY after the game that the Jets should consider hiring an offensive consultant to come in and help Mike LaFleur, who is a first-time offensive coordinator. You referenced that weird play where everybody was running the same route. That just blew my mind. I had mentioned Mike Shanahan as a possibility because as far as I'm aware, he's not getting a paycheck from anybody right now, and who knows the Shanahan offense better than Mike Shanahan, so if you could convince him to be a consultant and help LaFleur, that might be a good idea. I'm not giving up on LaFleur, it's only been three games, but I don't really like what I've seen so far. Are my concerns overblown, and what did you think about what was done on Sunday against the Broncos?
1: Yeah, it's such a great question because – so here's something that I talk about a lot. When you watch the All-22 at the New York Jets, it's a good game plan. So in terms of, like, the offensive consultant, that's not necessarily, like, a a, a route that I think matters, right? Because the game plan is good. However, when you're looking at these quarterbacks and they're struggling getting through their reads or the receivers are running the wrong route, then it comes down to there's a lot of guys that know football right? So, and and this is something that we talk about a lot in the coaching community. It's one thing to know the game. It's a whole nother to be able to articulate it and teach the game at a high level to where people understand it and can replicate it under high pressure situations. So, you know, there's a lot of people walking around planet Earth that probably know what the heck's going on in an NFL game. Now, in terms of actually being able to teach it in a way that everyone can process and then we can go execute, that's a whole nother question. So in terms of it's all about, hey, what do you want to get from it, right? If Jets fans are concerned that the plays aren't good, I would say, hey, your concern's overblown because the plays are sound for what they're going against that week, right? They had a bunch of cover six, or they had a bunch of quarters and cover two beaters in, which is all the Broncos run in reality. They'll spin down and run some one robber in one hole, but in reality, you see quarters and cover two, and they had a bunch of those beaters in there. Now, in terms of Zach getting eyes to the right spot and the receivers running the right routes, That's where the concern is. So if it's more of like, hey, you know, I don't I'm worried that he's not teaching in a way that's connecting with the guys. Then I think it's a valid concern. Um, I also think, you know, it's like it's one of those things that it's just so they go so hand in hand because I want to use Chicago as an example right now. A lot of people are ready to just, you know, can um, Nagy. But when you turn on the all 22, it's pretty darn good. So if your argument for canning Nagy is that his offense isn't good, like it isn't you know, schematically sound, it's not the right argument. But if it's that, hey, he's not teaching in a correct manner, and listen, they've had Justin Fields the same way the Jets have had Wilson for 160-something days, well, now there's a real concern. So they just go so hand-in-hand to me because some guys are just great from a board perspective, but when it comes to teaching – to the players, they're not great. So I think really the question is, is, is there a disconnect between maybe the coordinator and the QB coach, or is the QB coach not getting it done in terms of, hey, here's where we want your eyes. And I don't know the setup in, in New York, if they even have a quarterback coach or if the OC serves that purpose. So to me, that's kind of more you know where I would be curious is, you know what is it? Is the receiver coach? Not really understanding what we want to do on offense, and that's why the receivers busted routes. Is it the, is it an OC quarterback coach situation, or is he all of them? I think those are kind of the questions that I'd be more interested in um, before really kind of being able to say, "Hey, we need a consultant," because then it's going to really, you know, you can really figure it out from an you know the offensive an a, the offensive analyst position, you know, based on kind of where you deem that breakdowns happening.
0: I know a guy that might be a pretty good quarterback coach to come in and work with, Zach Wilson. What do you think, Tim? If we chip in for some plane tickets for you, will you come to the Big Apple? I'll even throw in some pizza for you.
1: I think I could make it, yeah. You know, that's that's the actual secret. I'm a big pizza guy, so I've heard New York has the best. So, you know, I, I joke with my wife all the time. I say, I thought I was a really good teacher of football, and then I started teaching on YouTube, and everyone reminds me, how bad of a teacher of football I am. So I'm not sure that I can, (laughs) I'm not sure I can help. But to be fair, I think there are some, you know, football junkies out there now who can, who can tell you what's coming pre-snap after the YouTube video. So no, I do think, you know, it really is all joking aside. It really is one of those things that's just, you know, there is such a difference between knowing football and then being able to articulate and teach it. And that's sometimes, you know, the breakdown that we, that, you know, as fans when we're watching or as, you know, analysts that it's hard to really figure out because is it, you know, Hey, is it the guy delivering the message? Is he just not connecting in in a, in a, in the learning style that these guys need? And that's just something that we don't, you know, we don't always account for because, you know, on the TV copy, it's easy to say the offense sucks. Right. And when you look at the all 22, you start to see, Hey, maybe it is sound. So what's the breakdown? And I, I think it's an interesting question you pose, and I think it's something that, you know, I think we'll learn more throughout the season.
0: Tim, putting Trey Lance aside, because he really hasn't played quarterback this year yet, the other four guys that were picked in the top 15, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trevor Lawrence, have had at least one start. Where do you think Wilson stacks up with those guys? How would you rank them one through four through three games?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, if I mean, if we're calling, you know, to be completely honest, you got to put Fields at four, right? I mean, the poor kid had one start and it didn't go very well. Um, you know, I, I, I think after, after I've watched the All-22 on all these guys, I think Trevor Lawrence is at one. And I think it's, again, it's so hard because I think Zach Wilson and Mac Jones at times could have made their argument to be one. Um, I do think that for as much junk as people want to give Urban Meyer and that staff in Jacksonville, they at least have clear criteria around where to put your eyes, and I think that really helps a young quarterback. So I think Trevor's at one. I think you got to you got to say, hey, Mac Jones is two A and Zach Wilson's two B, um, just based on the last two outings for Zach. I, you know, I think that Panthers game, he looked really really good and i think these games it's not that he didn't look good but he looked he just looked a little bit more confused and i'm and i'm not saying that from uh hey he doesn't process football at a high level because he's three games in right but i just think he faced two d coordinators in a row that were able to just make it a little more murky than it had been in college and then when it's a little more murky i think i don't i think I think the benefit of the doubt goes to Mac when it's murky. And I say that not necessarily saying, Hey, you know, I'd rather have Mac Jones, but it's that I'm going to tell you right now, there's one guy who's going to make the criteria pretty darn clear for Mac Jones. It's Josh McDaniels. And I think that's where, you know, it's all about the environment and kind of what you're being hammered on when it comes to playing some of these defenses that have a good disguise. So I think right now, you know, I as much as I don't want Jeff Twitter to yell at me, I think you got to go Trevor, Mac, Zach, and then obviously I think Justin's behind all those guys because he just, you know, that outing against Cleveland was uh, was rough, and um, you know I think he's going through some of the similar stuff that that maybe Zach is right now.
0: Great time. What would you give Zach Wilson for this performance against the Denver Broncos?
1: You know, that's a great, that's a really great question. I think he, I, I think you can give him a C and I think that's a pretty fair grade. I think you brought up a great point and we touched on it about, man, he's a couple key catches away from, you know, like, listen, if the back just catches the one and they get down to the red zone, then he takes a shot and all of a sudden it's a touchdown. And now they play the Broncos and the final score is 26, 14, right? Cause they steal another one. It's just so much different. Right. So I think, You know, I grade him out at a C knowing that, hey, he was really a couple throws away from swinging this thing up to a B or an A. um, But unfortunately, we don't get to see him make those throws, right? Because they got a drop and then ended up punting or or whatever the, the, the situation was. So I think this one was a C. I think comfortably it's his second best performance of the year, right? I think obviously the Patriots was his worst and the Panthers was his best. But I do think This was much closer to the Panthers game than people think. Um, It just so happened that, you know, that, hey, we didn't make a couple of key catches. And that interception was so, you know, that interception to Simmons was pretty darn bad. So to me, that's where it's kind of, okay, we've got to grade this thing out as a C.
0: Heading into their week four matchup with the Tennessee Titans, what do you want to see improved upon? And what do you think needs to be done differently?
1: Yeah, so from a, from a, scheme perspective you'd like to see no wide receiver bus right that'd be a nice <laughs> thing if you go out there and be confident that his receivers are going to be where they're supposed to what i would love to see is and this is what we saw in the preseason and remember we talked about it and we were so excited about it was it didn't seem like he made any eye errors in the preseason in the preseason it seemed like man his eyes were always in the right spot if we could get back to that where it's like hey even if he missed You know, like the boundary third down throw we were talking about that was just a bad throw, right? Hey, he throws it in the dirt. The guy's open on the speed out. I can live with that because he got to the right spot. If we can get back to where we feel like Zach's getting to the right spot on every play, I'd feel really darn good about his progression. I think that's kind of more or less what Jets fans should be looking for is not necessarily every throw being perfect, but if we're deciphering things and getting to the right spot on the field, That would be pretty darn exciting um, thing to kind of see come back that we saw this preseason.
0: Tim Jenkins, the quarterback whisperer of Colorado and who knows, possibly future quarterbacks coach for the New York Jets. If I can get enough pizza to (laughs) wet his whistle a little bit and bribe him into coming here. To be continued, Tim's got a lot going on right now on his YouTube channel as we wait to see if maybe he's going to get a phone call from Mike LaFleur. Broke down Zach Wilson, broke down Justin Fields, broke down Teddy Bridgewater, which is going to be a little bit painful for Jets fans this week, but so be it. Breaking <laughs> down Mac Jones, breaking down Trevor Lawrence. You got a lot going on on All Things QB, or YouTube channel. Plenty going on on Twitter as well. And, of course, you've got your camps going on. So talk about all the pies that you've got your hands in right now.
1: Yeah, but, you know, Twitter's always kind of a good place if you just kind of want some uh, – you know, just kind of cheap information, some, you know, two minute videos that, you know, are maybe a little bit easier to digest. And then, you know, YouTube, they kind of, I try to go into a little more depth. I did Zach's uh, New England Patriot game, which I think would give Jets fans, you know, insight into the interceptions, but also insight into kind of what the Jets are trying to do on offense. So if they're, you know, if you kind of want to be a little smarter when you're watching on Sunday, the YouTube (laughs) deal's Mm -hmm. not a bad thing. And then, yeah, we got, you know, we have quarterback training locations and, um houston phoenix and then two in denver so um anyone out there just look us up and and we'd love to help get you a little bit better so i appreciate you having me on man it's always a blast
0: absolutely pleasure is all mine tim jenkins jenkins elite follow him on twitter at t jenkins elite and also check out his youtube channel all things qb and check out our youtube channel and jet.com. Luke Grant's got a great video up right now The Thunder from Down Under Breaking down the problems with Mike LaFleur right now And exactly why the offense seems to be self-destructing You heard Tim talk about some of it And then you can supplement it with the video that Luke put together It's up there right now Watch the videos Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already And give us a 5-star review for the podcast on iTunes If you haven't done that already Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money But it goes a long way to help us out So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets Podcasts and content, you know where to go That's PlayLikeAJetDigital And PlayLikeAJet.com